0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month, and you get access to daily commentary. And every week, we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow.
2: you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show,
1: live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. One week from today, it is up to us to change America. Yes, make America America again or else. Hey, hello, everybody. Here we go on a Tuesday, Tuesday, October 30. Hello, 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 hello. So good to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us here. The Bill Press Show from our studio on Washington, D. in Washington, D.C., and that's where we start out. We join you everywhere in this great land of ours with all the news of the day. Yes, indeed, as always, lots to talk about uh, in the afternoon, and particularly today in the aftermath of that mass uh, murder at the synagogue in Pittsburgh on Saturday, where— the city of Pittsburgh is girding itself today not only for the first funerals of those 11 victims, but also for a visit by the president of the United States, who has been told by Jewish leaders he is not welcome in Pittsburgh, but he, some, a few, a few said, okay, he's the president, we might as well let him come. But um, more voices have come out and said, Mr. President, You are not welcome. The mayor has said, why don't you wait at least a few days and let us uh, alone to to grieve and to mourn uh, our beloved people and friends and neighbors and family members who were killed. But the president has said, I'm coming anyway because, damn it, my name is Donald Trump. Uh, And, of course, he's dragging the first lady along with him just for cover, just for optics. Uh, pretty disgusting. We'll cover it all. Get your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is the Full Court Press.
2: Just a couple of other stories making news. But I think it was last week that I did the story about how Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors set a new NBA record by yes. knocking down 13 three-pointers in one game. Well, last night, his teammate broke his record. Durant. Durant. Middle, right
3: side, Clay Takes a dribble. Now the three. Got it! An NBA record for Clay Thompson. 14 threes. There you go. He
2: beat his own teammate's record. Oh. Again, Steph Curry shot 13 three-pointers well, last Steph week. Come back. And now Steph's got a new 15, right? That's yeah. what's got to happen. Clay Thompson went 14 wow. for 24. i heard of clay Thompson. From, oh, yeah. No, yeah. NBA All-Star, big part of their team. He shot, uh, again, 14 for 24 uh, from beyond the arc for three-pointers, 18 for 29 uh, from the field. He scored 52 points in, tw- in only 27 minutes. He didn't even play the whole game. I mean, he, he missed Can essentially three-quarters.
1: These guys are On,
2: they're unreal. This you know? is sort of how the NBA is shaping up to be this season, just <laughs> offensive powerhouses. It, it, last night, the score, they were playing the Chicago Bulls, by the way, uh, which Travis Waldron was at that game. He'll be with us tomorrow to talk about other things. But the final score was 149 to 124. Jesus. I mean, they Whoa. just completely blew them out of the friggin' water. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So not exactly competitive if you're playing the Golden State Warriors. Uh, yesterday, this is pretty interesting. Twitter has a lot of problems. You know how I feel about Twitter. It's it's yeah a love-hate relationship, mostly hate. Uh, but yesterday... They said that one of the things that they are going to do to try and combat a lot of the online toxicity that we see is they are going to get rid of the like button. You know, you could retweet things, you could reply to things, or you can like things. And they say that taking away that like button uh, could actually help the ideological crisis that they have going on feels like a pretty weak start to addressing the problem of, you know, all the white supremacism and sexism that happens all the time on Twitter. But uh, CEO Jack Dorsey said at a private Twitter event that he wants to do away with the button very soon.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, help a little maybe, but still, you got the fundamental problem, right? Yeah,
2: I, you got bigger problems, I think. I, you think, I, I can't so.
1: believe, well, of starting with Trump. How much time so many people spend on Twitter their entire life. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, you know what? Forget about thoughts and prayers. What's more important? Get out and vote. That's what we need right now people to get out and vote. Vote early. Vote November 6th if you can't vote early. No thoughts and prayers. All right, you can do thoughts and prayers, but don't think that's enough. Vote, vote, vote. That's what Republicans want. They want you to get into the thoughts and prayers and not vote. No, don't fall into that trap. Hello, everybody. It's a week from today. Got to do it. Got to get out there. We've got to make America America again and stop this madness that we are living under, and we've got that chance. Don't blow it. Next Tuesday, turnout, turnout, turnout. Remember that? That's the key. That's the, that's the theme. Got to be. You got to make sure, not just for you, but everybody you know, everybody you love or don't even love, everybody you get across, everybody you talk to whether it's the guy at the grocery store or the guy that delivers a mail to your door or, you know, just your friends and your neighbors and your family, turn out, turn out, turn out. Get the word across, please. Here we go, the Bill Press Show on a Tuesday, Tuesday, October 30. How are you? Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being part of the program as we uh, come to you live from, as always, our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., right in the heart of the action, just down the street from the United States Capitol building, reaching out to you coast to coast and all around the globe on online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you on the radio uh, statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks, go Joe Donnelly. You deserve a second term and you're going to get one. And, of course, we join you on the great WCPT, that powerful foghorn, big progressive voice of the whole Greater Chicago area, proud to uh, to start your day every day on WCPT, and we're looking at you on Free Speech TV as well. Thank you for being there. Yes, indeed, uh, today big day for the city of Pittsburgh, where uh, they have to gird themselves not only for the funerals for the first of the first of the funerals for the eleven victims uh, of the mass murder on Saturday at the synagogue. A Tree of Life synagogue, but also for a visit by the President of the United States who has been told he is not wanted, who has been, remember he was not he was not invited to the funeral for Barbara Bush nor for John McCain. People of Pittsburgh aren't crazy about seeing him either. Uh, a whole group of Jewish leaders sent a letter asking the President not to come. Let us take care of our own our own grief and our own mourning. Uh, for our own loved ones. The mayor of Pittsburgh asked the president to delay his visit until after they've had a chance to bury the victims uh, and then come in and meet with uh, community leaders. Uh, The president says, no, I'm Donald Trump. I do whatever the hell I want. He is saying, I am coming to honor the victims. He is not coming to honor the victims. He is coming to exploit the victims uh, and uh, try to make amends maybe with some of us around the country and some in the Jewish community for the hateful things he has said and the way he has, many, in many ways, uh, inspired attacks against Jews in this country. And let's just lay it out right where it is. I mean, we said before, when it comes to three, as we talked yesterday, three hate crimes, get this in perspective, three definite hate crimes in 72 hours. The whole bombing campaign, now up to 15 bombs. By the way, is a new one found yesterday. There are still more out in the mail, probably. Number 15 yesterday directed where? <clears throat> CNN uh, for James Kuiper, former uh, head of the uh, CIA, uh, uh, director of national intelligence, um, and who is a commentator, I believe, often appears on CNN. At any rate, that bomb was directed to CNN in Atlanta. It was intercepted far from CNN headquarters. Uh, but they're still out there. But the point was with that bomber, as we pu- pointed you, if you take every single person, every single person that the bomber targeted, where did he get that list? He got that list from Donald Trump's lips. Donald Trump attacked every single one of those people by name, whether it was Eric Holder or Hillary Clinton or George Soros by name. And that bomber just took the list from Donald Trump and said, OK. You attack him with words, I'm going to attack him with bombs. And then you had the uh, attack on uh, the killing of two African-Americans in uh, Kentucky who were killed because of the color of their skin. This guy uh, targeted a black church, couldn't get into the black church, went down the street to a Kroger's uh, and opened fire on African-Americans. And again, Donald Trump has not hesitated uh, particularly to, I mean, he'll attack anybody, but particularly... Uh, ugly attacks against African-Americans, whether they're NFL players or members of Congress uh, like Maxine Waters or entertainers, Donald Trump, uh, right out there in the forefront. And then third, so you've got one group attacked because of their political persuasion. Another group attacked because of the color of their skin. And the third group attack, attacked, of course, because of their faith with a man who clearly hates Jews, told police when they, when they nabbed him that his intent was to kill as many Jews as possible and he also said and this is very very important he said you know that he was really upset about the invaders the people the caravan coming here he called them the invaders who directly again back to Donald Trump who has labeled them an invasion who has said this is not a these are not refugees this is an invasion who has called them invaders Donald Trump, the killer in Pittsburgh, used Donald Trump's exact language and the language we hear uh, all over Fox News as, as well. Back to the synagogue. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, Anti-Defamation League has reported, again, people say, oh, well, Donald Trump's daughter converted to Judaism, so therefore he can't be blamed at all for any hatred in this country against Jews. Well, why is it? Why is it that under Donald Trump, according to the anti-defamation league, anti-Semitic attacks have increased in the last 2 years since Donald Trump became president? 57%. Up 57%. Now, maybe just maybe it could be because we've got a president who When the thugs were marching in Charlottesville, chanting, the Jews will not replace us, the Jews will not replace us, Donald Trump, instead of condemning it outright, saying there is no place for that in this country, this is un American, this is outrageous, he said, oh, some very fine, we have to be careful, we can't condemn them. There's some very fine people. Among those protesters.
2: By the way, you know that that's a phrase, and uh, that that I think a lot of us sort of saw in Charlottesville. Right, the Jews yeah. will not replace us. And uh, you know, I did a little bit of. <laughs> I hate to say this, but I I actually went onto some uh, extremist right wing sites yesterday. I actually went to the Daily Stormer and and, and mm. looked at some other stuff. And one of the things that they point out that was. Uh, I think it's lost in this conversation when people say things like Jews will not replace us. Uh, it's not just that they think that, that actual Jewish people want to take our role in society and take our role as white people. They think that, again, because they're funding this caravan, they want to bring in more people that will just get rid of white people. That's part of it. This no, caravan is, it. Is, is a huge part of it.
1: And I we, we talked about this yesterday. Again, this killer in Pittsburgh put out a tweet just before yeah. he went into the oh, synagogue yeah. about the HIAS which is the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society it's been around since the the, the 20s i guess started at Ellis Island yeah. helping refugees coming to this country and then there were people coming from eastern europe they've been helping lately people coming from Iraq or Syria and from latin america again but where who turned this caravan into a symbol of hate and, and a, an assault on this country and an invasion. So Peter, you're right. I mean, the Jewish people are a very compassionate people. I mean, many of the synagogues involved in this, and um, they may, may not sanctuary, be sanctuary synagogues, but they have active programs to help people coming into this country. And the white supremacists see that as a direct threat. And Donald Trump stokes that fear and that anger. Dana Milbank yesterday um, in the Washington Post had a very an excellent column. Uh, giving sanction to bigotry is the uh, head of it. Um, and he said, you know, this this uh, Donald Trump with Charlottesville uh, wasn't the first time that Donald Trump has basically given a wink, wink to anti-Semitism. And again the numbers point out almost 60% up and this is this is the uh, vandalizing of cemeteries this is painting swastikas on synagogues these these are attacks against Jews you know at the market or or uh, wherever uh, but all of those incidents uh, num- numerically on gone up 60% in the last 2 years under Donald Trump Again, back to Dana Milbank, he points out, here are some, here are some other signs of Donald Trump giving the wink-wink to anti-Semitism, telling Jewish Republicans they won't support him. They, the reason they won't support him is because I don't want your money. The money. This is like Kevin McCarthy, who wants to be the next speaker if the Republicans hold into the House, God forbid, saying, we can't, he said this in a tweet last week, we can't let George Soros, Tom Steyer, and Michael Bloomberg buy this election. three hmm. Jews. What do they have money, in common? Yeah, buy this election. right? Uh, back to Dana Milbank again, tweeting an image from an anti-Semitic message board with the Star of David atop a po- atop a pile of cash. Remember when he did that? We talked about it during the primary, saying, "I don't have a message for supporters who threatened anti-Semitic violence against a Jewish journalist." Oh, I don't have a message for that person. Branding his campaign with the America First slogan, which of course was the slogan of the of the anti-Semitic, anti-World War II movement, pro-Hitler, alleging that bloodsuckers and a global power structure, including international banks, are plotting against ordinary Americans. Holy crap! Donald Trump said that. Yeah, and when he ur- when he was urged by the Anti-Defamation League to stop using anti-Semitic tropes in his ads. Repeating, he just repeated the tropes in an ad with images of proper of prominent Jews, rather, including George Soros. Yeah, and you can go on and on, calling himself a nationalist. For a lot of people, that means white nationalist. That means anti-Semitic. So there's been a pattern of the anti, of, of basically looking the other way, or giving the wink, wink, or tolerating anti-Semitic attacks in this country under Donald Trump, and now it has. Uh, ended up in what we saw in Pittsburgh uh, and again you can I think you can make a direct link and if nobody else will, I will a direct link between those bombs, the, the, the killings down in Kentucky and the uh, the uh, horrible horrific slaughter at the Pittsburgh synagogue. Uh, Donald Trump says, don't blame me. well, interesting. Back in 2016, and Bob Woodward brought this out yesterday on CNN with Jake Tapper, back in 26, April 2016, Bob Woodward and Bob Costa interviewed Donald Trump, candidate Donald Trump, uh, and he was asked about that, and here's what Donald Trump said, yes, yes, he was asked about rage in the Republican Party, okay, now, Donald Trump's answer, yes, yes, he said, but I bring that out in people, I do. I'm not saying that's an asset or a liability, but I do bring that out. I bring rage out. I do bring rage out. I always have.
2: Good grief.
1: Bragging about it. And you know what? He still does, and he knows he does, and he does it deliberately. And that's why he- That's shocking. I hadn't heard that. That's amazing. Isn't that stunning? Yeah, that's Donald Trump bragging about the fact. Yeah, I know what I'm doing, and when I go out in these rallies and I talk about the criminals and the terrorists who are coming to the border, I bring the rage out in people like this nutcase in, in, um, in, in Pittsburgh. And when I go out and I talk about George Shost and Hillary Clinton and Tom Steyer and all this, the evil Democrats, the mob, I bring the rage out. Well, and then you get the bomber. Who sends 15 bombs, bombs so far to the same people that Donald Trump is talking about. He brings the rage out. That's what he's all about. He does I mean, it that's so
2: telling. That's so telling. And you think about how he and and frankly, the Republicans now the, as a party, they govern. Right. They can't sell their ideas. No one's running on the tax cut, which no. is the only thing that they got done. No, they're they running can't on run the on their ideas and they can only run on. Fear and rage and hysteria
1: and all of that. We are supposed to cast our vote based on a group of, pick a number. I don't know how many are left in this caravan. It could be 100 people. That would be enough for Donald Trump to blow it up sure. into an invading force. Yeah. And and, it's it. and we're supposed to believe this is a threat to the mighty United States of America. God bless Shep Smith on Fox News. At least he's. In fact, let's listen. Here's here's two takes on Fox News yesterday. First of all, um, Charles Payne, who has some idiot. You've seen him before. A guy named David Ward. This is this is a this is a, where the racists often go. And they're coming in with diseases such as
2: smallpox and oh. leprosy and TB that are going to infect our people in the United States.
1: Oh, that's it. Yeah, these are just. 4,000, whatever they are, just totally diseased people who are coming here are going to spread these that, diseases. We've heard the, that. I've heard that for 40 years. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. it
2: goes, I mean, it goes it, back hundreds of years, right? Yeah, like it is. Like any sort total. of, someone who looks different than me must be riddled with disease, and therefore we can't let them uh, uh, join our race.
1: You know, they said that once against the Italians, against the Irish, right? Against African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Against Jews, right? Now, against the people coming from across the border. Uh, but Shep Smith, again, God bless him. Put it, I, I, I don't know how he still has a job at Fox, <laughs> but I'm glad he does because at least there's one sane voice in the entire 24 hours. And he put it in perspective yesterday. Tomorrow is one week before the midterm election, which is what all of this is about. There is no invasion. No one's coming to get you. There's nothing at all to worry about. When they did this to us, got us all riled up in April, remember? The result was 14 arrests. We're America. We can handle it. I love that. Shep I don't ought love to quit that, that network. Yeah, Shep he should really quit should. that network. He really should. You know, somebody, and I think what it would take is somebody else to give him, and they should, any of the other networks, a big fat contract. Sure. And say, hey. You're a class act. You're good. First of all, he's a damn good anchor. Hey, NBC a-
2: has a hole in their schedule now
1: that they get rid of Megyn <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> yeah, he's a great anchor. He's a great reporter. He's a great thinker, and he's fearless. And he'll say, uh, you know, he, he just tells it like it is. I've always liked him, and um, don't know him that well. Met him a couple of times, but thank God he's one voice on Fox. Meanwhile. Just to show you the power of the presidency, um, this caravan, which, as Chef Smith said, is not a not a big deal. I, I'll give you those numbers again. The last caravan in April, when we all got all upset. Oh, oh yeah. my God! Oh, here yeah. comes the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Yeah, twenty five hundred people in the caravan, of whom about two hundred and fifty made it to the border and applied for asylum, and three got in. Okay, three three. So, uno, does trace, right? And we're supposed to be all upset. Donald Trump wants American people. And some of these freaking stupid Trump supporters will fall for that. And and that'll get them out to vote. And that's exactly what Donald Trump wants. Please don't fall for it. Uh, Again, no thoughts and prayers. We don't want those. What we want is your vote. But back to uh, to show how Donald Trump can, again, try to manipulate public opinion on this, with the help, sadly, I have to say, of the defense secretary uh, the White House. The defense, the Pentagon yesterday announced that they are sending troops to the border to deal with this caravan, which is still a thousand miles from the border, by the way. Um, and if you read all the reports of poor people, I mean, the whole thing is kind of falling apart. I mean, they've been walking. From Honduras, right? Across Guatemala. Now they're in southern Mexico. Some have just decided to stay there. Some have gone home. Some are pressing on. But we're sending 5,200 troops to the border. Why? To make believe that what Donald Trump says is true. We are sending 5,200 Trump's troops to the border as political tools for Donald Trump. Pure, simple political potted plants for Donald Trump. And I'm telling you, you know, I'm a big fan of his, but no longer. The man who who agreed to do that is Defense Secretary James Mattis. And we've praised him so many times as the only rational voice left in the Trump White House. Well, no longer. I mean, he's agreed to do this. This was a time when he could stand up and say, no, Mr. President, we have a bigger fish to fry. Uh, these people... Uh, they're not first of all they can't just run across the border um we have more troops more border patrol agents than we've ever had we have an a, a very strict asylum process that the last time only let in 3 people so we don't have to believe that they're just going to flood across the border it's not going to happen mr president we have war a war in afghanistan the longest war in american history 17 years now we have a war ongoing still in Iraq with troops there. We have a war in Syria. We have troops all over North Africa in places that we never heard about. Um, we can't and are not. We can't afford this, and we're not going to do it. Think of the money you and I are paying to send 5,200 American troops to the border, who can't, by the by the terms of the Constitution cannot be at, right at the border stopping people from coming across. They've got to be back at the border just doing support work. Cooking meals, emptying trash cans, directing traffic. This is this is the use of the of the US Army and James Mattis went along with this. By the way, of, there are already 2100 National Guard troops that Donald Trump sent in April that are still there. They're they are stationed miles from the border because they're not allowed to do active border patrol work. Uh, and so basically, it's, it, again, just a total waste. We're paying for them. Now we're going to pay for 5,200 American troops. Uh, and um, that, by the way, just just to focus on this for a minute, 5,200 troops at the border, southern our southern border, is more troops— than we have in Iraq and Syria combined. That's 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 the level on which the Pentagon places this caravan of poor, helpless people who are still a thousand miles from the border. James Mattis, you ought to just retire. Re- resign. Just resign. Just well, say I'm not gonna go along with political political games being played by the President of the United States. It's all a joke.
2: This is all a joke.
1: Yeah, total. Sick joke. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump meanwhile, yesterday, can't get through without I guess a couple of Donald Trump's clips, right? I mean, uh, he was... Warning,
2: all, everybody! Here we go! Way, We're it, about to play some Donald Trump clips. Yeah,
1: warning, sorry about that. By the way, it, 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 it this, this always stuns me. He's the President of the United States. <laughs> And I get a tweet yesterday saying, I'm going to be on Laura Ingram yeah, tonight. So be sure to watch me on Laura Ingram so tonight. <laughs> or he, like plugs for Judge Jeanine Pirro's book. Yeah. Or Brian Kilmeade. He doesn't have to <laughs> promote his own. There are people at the White House who are paid to do that, right? He's got a whole. I mean, first of all, the White House shouldn't have to do that unless it's a. Speech that he's giving to the nation on some new world war or something, God forbid, uh, or Barack Obama. We caught Osama bin Laden, right? But 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 just a TV interview, and if they if the White House feels they have to promote it, there's a whole communications department at the White House. There's a there's a press secretary at the White House who could just put out a little note. Oh, by the way. Uh, the president will appear on the Laura Ingram show tonight. Boom. No. Donald Trump has a go. Please watch me on TV tonight. Again, Please. So, so, I, got the, I got the tweet. I'm going to read it to
2: you. Somebody it's ridiculous. So, somebody wrote this piece not long after he became president that said, and this is the truest thing that's ever been written about Donald Trump. Donald Trump did not want to be president. He wanted to be press secretary. He loves the spotlight. He loves to put this stuff out there. He loves to promote things. He doesn't actually care about the American people or any of that stuff. He just cares about getting that press. Yeah. That's totally. it. That's totally. all of it is.
1: He, he ultimately is a TV producer. Yeah. And by the way, it. he's good at it. He's a good executive sure. producer of TV. Uh, sadly, <laughs> we also made him president. You did. I didn't. President of the United <laughs> States. So again, he goes on Laura's show last night and just says idiotic things like uh, the Mad Bomber. Don't blame me. This guy's been a nutcase for a long time, I know because Dr. Donald Trump. Uh, he was he was
3: insane a long time before you look at his medical records. He was insane for a long time.
2: Wait, is he looking at his medical yeah, records? Yeah,
1: yeah, right. Donald Trump. I'm going to check this guy's medical records first before I say anything. Again, that Donald Trump, just skating around the fact that the same list of people Donald Trump attacked verbally, the same list of people that this nutcase sent the bombs to. Don't tell me there's no connection. And by the way, do you see his truck? Do you see all the stickers on his truck? And did you see the MAGA hat he was wearing? Hmm, how about that? Um, uh, and this one, this really gets me. Every time that I've done an interview in the last week or so with any conservative about this issue, they always raise Bernie Sanders, try to get Bernie Sanders into. Here, Donald Trump does it on Laura Ingram.
3: Bernie Sanders had a fan who shot a very good friend of ours, yep. Steve Scalise, and other people. He was a total maniac. Nobody puts his name in the headline, Bernie Sanders in the headline with the maniac. In fact, Nancy
4: Pelosi it. said, do not politicize this back at the time.
3: I was in the headline of the Washington Post. My name associated with this crazy bomber.
1: hmm Yeah. Why? As I pointed out again yesterday, on uh, actually with uh, with Larry King, um, you show me one time. Yeah, that's true. This is a guy who once volunteered for Bernie Sanders, who shot up the Republicans at the at their baseball practice uh, and and really seriously, seriously uh, injured Steve Scalise. Thank God he has fully recovered. Um, well, very very has done very very well. Not totally recovered, but at any rate. I, I I challenged him yesterday, this person I was on with. You'd show me one time that Bernie Sanders said all Republicans are evil. You show me one time that Bernie Sanders called Republicans members of the mob. You show me one time that Bernie Sanders said that Republicans are too dangerous to govern. In other words, you show me one time that Donald Trump stoked anger, stoked hatred, stoked rage, and you win that argument. And of course, they can never do so. Never do so. And Donald Trump does it. All the time. Hey, great lineup of guests today. Matt Gertz from Media Matters is going to join us uh, in the next hour, as well as Simon Pathé from Roll Call. But we start off with a good friend, Daniel Lippman, uh, head of the or co author of the Playbook in Politico, which uh, we lean on and depend on every single day, twice a day, as a matter of fact. You should too. I'll uh, take a quick break. We'll be back with Daniel Lippmann and all of you and all of your comments on Twitter. At BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. You got it. Tuesday, October 30, the Bill Press Show live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Capital of the free world and our studio on Capitol Hill brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the good men and women of the UFCW. Uh, They're the people that serve us at all the great grocery chains across the country, Uh, They stock the shelves. They check us out. Uh, They just take good care of us and our families. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program. And check out their website under President Mark Perrone at UFCW.org. Joining us uh, in studio, the co-author of the playbook on Politico, good friend. He's uh, nobody more on top of the scene here in Washington than Daniel Lipman. hello, Daniel. Always good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for getting up early here. Of course. And uh, we understand that you are uh, this. We're just the the prelude to your interview later this morning with Vice President Mike Pence. Yeah,
5: are the play the playbook team? Jake, uh, Anna. Yeah,
1: uh, we're all interviewing,
5: uh, or they are interviewing uh, Mike Pence. Uh, it's a marquee interview since uh, you know we want to hear from him about. Uh, what he has to say about the midterms, which aren't looking very good for Republicans, and so I'm sure uh, he will have lots of things to say, and so it's going to be live-streamed at uh, Politico.com.
1: Politico.com, you can live-stream it. It's like 10.30 East Coast time?
5: 10.30, 10.45.
1: Is Mother coming?
5: (laughs) No comment. I don't know about the rabbit either. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) What is that
1: rabbit's name? Marlon Bundo. Is that right? Yes. Right. Um, We we should bring the rabbit up on stage. You should. But also... Who was it who wrote the funny book about the the, the rabbit being gay? That you know, no, John which, or John Oliver? John, John Oliver, Oliver yeah, John which Oliver. is a bestseller. Bestseller. <laughs> we, should, we should we should we uh, should.
5: You cannot make this crap up. I mean, you know, I we, we the, should ask him about that if he's read the book,
3: <laughs> or
1: if it's true. Yeah, <laughs> You want to know. And. Uh, so where does the gay rabbit hang out? I think out? there's a there was a New York a gay Times- rabbit hang out in Washington. I think
5: there was a New York Times magazine story about uh <laughs> animals that were, you know, had some of those homosexual tendencies. So
1: There you go. There it is. It starts at the top. That's it. Uh, Okay, Peter, excuse me. Top of the animal kingdom, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, by the way, let's jump to Twitter really quickly. We are tweeting at BP Show, at BP Show. Lots of comments there on a number of different topics this morning. Al says, you would truly have to be brain dead not to think that Trump's rhetoric at his rallies has nothing to do with what is unfolding in this country right now. Um Also, you talked about the rage that Donald Trump is proud that he brings out in people, the constructive rage. Phil says, hopefully Trump will also bring out some constructive rage in the form of votes for Democratic candidates. Vote, damn it, vote. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, on the border, Tom says, troop deployment is nothing more than a political show, only to to impress the gullible MAGA hats. Uh, meaning, Donald Trump supporters. And remember, of course, we put up a poll uh, just just about every day. We put up a poll yesterday um, talking about uh, 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 the, will the GOP's blatant lies about health care and pre existing conditions hurt them during the midterms? Will that actually hurt? 66% of you say yes. 34% of you said no.
1: Find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. You know, the other thing about the troops I didn't mention earlier. The 5,200 American troops being sent to the border is my fear is once they're there, they'll never leave. It's hard to get them back, right? It's hard to say there's never there's no longer a threat at the southern border, so therefore we are reassigning our troops. And it's interesting but, to think about the
5: you know the campaign optics of this, right? Oh. You know, right before the midterms, right before election day. And I'm sure that might have. Wonder if just that was playing a, a role in uh, when they decided. Also, the caravan, uh, not great timing either for that.
1: No, no. I mean, I think they're directly linked, and I'm really surprised that James Mattis, who's pretty in, has proven himself to be pretty independent from what's been reported, you know, would go along with this because I think it's clearly a political ploy aimed at getting people scared before the midterms.
5: Well, I think you know Mattis. Uh, he might be on his way out. Remember, Trump was saying, uh, "Well, he's a Democrat," and so yeah. we had a our my colleague Nancy Cook had a story uh, a couple of days ago about how uh, there are up to six cabinet members who might be leaving uh, in the next couple of months. So Mattis might be on the list. Uh, Kirsten Nielsen, if uh, for DHS, if uh, John Kelly uh, also leaves, mm-hmm. uh, Wilbur Ross at Commerce, who is. Uh, Trump has been uh, long uh, griping at for not being effective and not being a winner anymore. Or not uh, being
1: awake. Yeah.
5: Uh, Wilbur, General wake Jeff's, up. You're out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wilbur, uh, wake up. Uh, You're out of a what? job. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sorry, Jeff ahead. Sessions. Uh, oh, Sessions. Ryan You've... Zinke. So, uh, and I'm sure there's more lower level people too.
1: And by the way, this will be on top of some five or six cabinet members who've already left.
5: Right. Yeah, remember Tom Price and his private <laughs> yeah, jets? Remember him?
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. No, it's
5: yeah record turnover, but that's not that's kind of one of the hallmarks of this administration. They uh, just can't keep their people.
1: Um, but this one uh, Twitter comment mentioned uh, uh, rage, and I just wanted to point out how I saw this morning in um, one of your friends' posts uh, from Mike Allen yeah. uh, on Axios. Uh, that uh, Bob Woodward yesterday revealed back in April 2016, he and Bob Costa, two of the best reporters in the business for sure, uh, when he interviewed Donald Trump in the middle of the, uh, of the presidential election, uh, and they were asking him about the rage in the Republican Party. I don't know whether you saw this. And Donald Trump said, told them, yes, yes, but I bring that out in people. I do. I'm not saying that's an, that's an asset or a liability, but I do bring that out. I bring rage out. I do bring rage out. I always have. Boy, that's
5: relevant to today. I'm glad that they they dug that quote up because it it really just rings true about how uh, Trump stirs up these emotions in people and just look at his rallies and look at his tweets. And so it's this clear strategy uh, to try to stir the pot and uh, get Republicans excited uh, to vote for either Trump or Mid uh, or fellow Republicans, uh, and that's his hallmark. If he wasn't angry and if he didn't bring out rage, then he would never have defeated any of those uh, uh, candidates in the Republican primary in 2016, and wouldn't have defeated Hillary Clinton. And so, uh, but the you think about the broader implications for our country in terms of is this uh, good for our politics, and uh, how does it? Does it uh, lose? You know, do do Americans lose trust in the political system when you have people who are calling themselves nationalists and you know uh, proudly talking about rage? Uh, and so that's that's the real you know one million dollar question there.
1: But you're right. I mean, the, he that was the playbook during you know, that successfully used by him in 2016, and it's certainly the playbook that he is using today uh, and through the medium of these of these rallies. Um, Peter, we had, he, he talked last night on Laura Ingram about uh, the rallies. You know, I uh, before you play that, I must admit, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, I'm mixed, um, in a sense, if I were a Republican, but let me go back to this. As a Democrat, I remember really being disappointed going into the midterms that Barack Obama wasn't doing more for the party, <laughs> wasn't out there more actively saying, you got to vote, you got to keep. You know, Democrats in power—you can't let them take over the Senate. Boom, boom, boom—and he didn't. So, I mean, I understand. He tried some Obama. A little. bit I didn't think he did enough. <laughs> I'm just saying, and I really don't. But you yes, see, he was trying to run the country. That was one of the arguments the White House said: "We've got other things we got to do, right?" So now Donald Trump—he may be going the other way. The other way. But still, you got to give—I'll—I'll I'll give him credit for taking his role as a party leader seriously, yeah. trying to save the Democratic majority, particularly in the Senate. But there well, are times—I'm margin, margin. sorry, Republican yeah. margin. Thank you. Uh, but there are times when you might pull back, like the same night that eleven people were killed in a synagogue yeah. in Pittsburgh. You might say this is a good reason not to have a rah-rah rally where they're playing happy, 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 you know, walking And he's in. tweeting about baseball
5: later that night. Yeah, so. tweeting
1: about baseball, but Donald Trump, again, defends, you have to have these rallies. We had a great rally in Illinois for some great people, and frankly,
3: um, I think that's probably the way it should be. You should go about your life. You can't let these people disrupt any more than they already have, which is disgraceful.
1: Again. you know. You know, this a, is a little tiny kernel of truth. We have to we have to go on with our lives at the same time. There are moments when you just say, "Let's step back here and mourn the, together."
2: The, this goes back to the the days after 9-11 where we can't do X, Y, or Z because if we don't do it, then the terrorists win. Yeah, right?
5: You have to we, go to the sh- make sure to keep uh, hitting the shopping malls. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. We can't
2: let the terrorists win. We have to go buy a ton of stuff.
5: Amazon killed off the shopping malls. Instead. That's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. So like here we are again, right? We're just sort of using this thing to hold over the heads of people.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing. You couldn't make the argument that Donald Trump needs more time to run the country because, as you pointed out, I think the best uh, item I've seen (laughs) in a long time, uh, he's got a lot of time on his hands, doesn't he? He, They call it? Executive time. Executive time. Tell us about it. And so it's
5: uh, unstructured time where he can do whatever he wants. Uh, And so we got a a copy of- Is that
1: what it says on the schedule?
5: It says executive time. It does, and so that's, that's the um, phrase they use. Yeah, and they—I guess it was just trying to ke- f- come up with a, a phrase that you know, accurately sums up, uh, you know, what what that category of time is. And so we got a week's worth of tr- schedules, and uh, Trump uh, only had two hours of policy meetings last week, uh, when in fact uh, Obama had, you know, six to seven hours a day, according to some of the people I talked to who worked for Obama. Oh yeah. And on last Tuesday, so a week ago today, uh, Trump had nine hours of executive time while only (laughs) three hours of actual work time.
1: What does that mean? What does he do? Is he playing golf?
5: He tweets, he calls his friends, cabinet members, staffers, he reads the newspaper, he, uh, you know, watches Watches TV. um and kind of you know puts around in the White House and uh, drinks diet cokes. I'm sure he's doing, he doesn't have the special button or you can get. The, yeah, that's what I hear. The,
1: the um, uh, is he in so that's stunning to me. I mean, first of all, nine hours—it's a lot of time. So, how, how much time was scheduled last Tuesday for work?
5: Like three hours of actual, um, you know, doing official what? events, and uh, so you know, there was a media interview. I think he had there was. Uh, you know, a bill signing and uh, some leader calls. And so, uh, and, and I'm not saying that all nine hours of the executive time, he's just, you know, watching uh, Fox News, but uh, a lot of the, um, you know, because he does have sometimes impromptu meetings on different mm-hmm. issues where he says, I, I read something about trade in newspaper, you know, what are we doing to, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like hold the Chinese accountable and all that Uh, And aides, you know, being president is a busy job where you have lots of documents to sign. And so, uh, you know, past presidents and Trump himself, they've always used some of that time to get him to sign off on things and, you know, uh, you know, bring in people. people, if, If you if you're the chief of staff and you have a senator. Uh, in your office for a meeting, you always want, you sometimes want to have the president just say hi at the end. Yeah. That's right. what Rob Manuel used to do.
1: Yeah, right. So I'm but sure still, that continues when they to happen. block aside time, basically. That's t- his time saying, I don't want to be bothered, right? Don't schedule anything. I just want, this is. And he only
5: got, uh, out of the five
1: weekdays last week, he only got
5: two uh, daily intelligence briefings. And, and they're called daily for a reason. And so. <laughs> And this, these are like his. Um,
1: but he he has said publicly he doesn't need those briefings because <laughs> he knows everything.
5: Yeah, but um, you know, That's any president amazing. should be uh, getting briefed on a daily basis. And, Absolutely. And all, I think he will. They do give him the PDB and like a, Obama got on an iPad form, and so he might still get it, but he's not having a, a review with his top people. Uh, his you know CIA director is DNI, uh, but I'm, which means I'm he sure he's still pro- he's still like browsing through the intelligence because I'm sure he's still interested a little bit I, in what's going on. I,
1: I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't agree to I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. He might not even read. But he it. likes.
5: Remember he talked about how uh, he loved the how classified and how secret and how you know he loved getting the the raw the raw intelligence a little bit. So.
1: So, I want to go back to this executive time. Is it uh, from, do you know, or were you able to find out? Does he spend this in the executive mansion or in the Oval Office?
5: It's a mix of both. So, like, he, he once in, he, he, one, he
1: comes in pretty late, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, like, 11. Like George W. Not, Bush got in there like at eight. Five o'clock or something. Yeah. Yeah, but by 8 a.m. for meetings. By 8 he was definitely uh, on full bore meetings and, on, underway, right? Um, Obama, maybe a little later, nine or so.
5: Obama was in more of a night aisle. Yeah. And, uh, so Trump will come in sometimes, you uh, know, eleven a.m. or one thirty. Is sometimes the latest that a meeting, the first meeting of the day, and so of course these are midterms, and uh, so these are a little slower. But still, you know, uh, he's not. It's not like he's doing rallies from ten a.m. to six p.m. The rallies are usually at night, and so he'll leave. You know at five or six or whatever uh, and then come back uh, after after the rally and all the often the rallies are held at airports, and so you don't actually have to like right, travel right. very far
1: um I've heard it said that this that his schedule that he's carved out for himself as president is very similar to the schedule that he had as a yeah business executive at trump tower basically he could he was had so much money he could do whatever he wanted right he didn't have to he didn't have to put in. Ten hours. Grinding. He's also like work a, every day.
5: He's over seventy years old, and so he's, you know, he's not waking up uh, as early as us. And so the he's it's it's uh, you know sometimes friends have told him that or uh, he complained that Reince Priebus would schedule too many meetings early on, and so the, they built in more executive time. But then aides also worried that if you build in too much, then uh, he. You know, he will uh, tweet too often, or he'll be antagonized by the media and what it's covering. And so,
1: oh, you know, it's it's sort of like if they give him executive time and he's off in the mansion by himself and he's watching TV and he's got his phone. I mean, right? There's no control at all, right? So I think once once he, he down, once he comes down,
5: once he comes down, it yeah, because they're not they're not like you know, he's not approving their uh, they're not approving his tweets, and once yeah. he comes down at eleven, he. Uh, will often like stay until you know whenever, but we don't have a um, oh. There's actually box. Uh, there's a box on certain White House employees can get.
1: Oh yeah, I've seen that box with POTUS.
5: Yeah, we're POTUS's. Yeah, and so it's just kind of funny, I you know.
1: <laughs> I, I I remember the first time I ever saw that. I was in Harold Icky's office under Bill Clinton, and he had that little box, and and we were just talking, and I looked, and I see this movement, and everything. You know, POTUS. Walking to <laughs> so-and-so's That's office. The off. is going here? High. I said, "What is that?" He <laughs> said, so, no, it "It's shows, like Minority Report. It shows where the president is going <laughs> at any one at any one time." Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's pretty cool. So almost like he's got a you know a chip built it's in. It's an Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Peter, um, I'm not sure what time I'm coming in tomorrow. Um, I need a, little, <laughs> need a little executive time. Yeah, a little executive time. I think. Uh, Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> a little, like tomorrow morning. Um, But it does raise the question about, um, you know, uh, who's running the country, I guess.
5: Uh, But some some liberals pointed out on Twitter that, well, it's good that he's not actually spending all this time working because, you know, he could be having more executive orders and, you know, creating more uh, chaos and, uh, you know, nominating more judges. And instead, uh, he is not, you know, working a full day. And so...
1: Um, speaking of uh, executive orders, uh, the president, we were told this morning, I don't, I don't know whether Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced this show. This today. was
2: actually, so this was, this, uh, Axios has their new HBO show. They interviewed Donald Trump for their first show. So it was Jonathan Swan. Oh, that, that got was right. The and, oh, Jim he, was. And, Jim and, and Jim Van Dyke. And Jim
1: Van right. The who got the president, who admitted that they are, he is considering signing uh, or declaring or something, uh, ending the policy that... Babies born in the United States are automatically American citizens.
5: Yeah. So I guess you have
1: like uh, Stephen
5: Miller will, you know, go through the applications for
1: citizenship. Unless I'm wrong. Peter, we should double check this. I think that's in the Constitution, isn't it?
5: Yeah, we have to read our Constitution. I don't have my Constitution handy, but that's what's on my. uh,
1: I mean, first of all, I'm pretty sure you cannot do it by executive order.
5: And you know Trump, uh, so there's going to be a huge court battles over this, obviously, because uh, people will fight this until a better, better end.
1: But uh, yeah, and again, this is dr- 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 again stoking the political fires about immigrants right before the midterm elections. But I know you can't do it by executive order. But he says you can. Maybe. You'd need an act of Congress. I'm not even sure you can do it by an act of Congress. Since I think the, you need a constitutional amendment.
2: Since the You would. Since the adoption of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution on July 9th, 1868, citizenship of persons born in the United States has been controlled by its citizenship clause, which states all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. So you would need a constitutional amendment.
5: I don't know if Trump has read the
1: Constitution. So.
2: Oh, I know if he's read the Constitution. <laughs> I think um, we uh, do. the answer is a no. Yeah,
1: but this, these are the so-called anchor babies, right? Which is which has been uh,
5: kids of uh, undocumented immigrants, right?
1: And- right, and it's been an issue that the conservatives and anti-immigrant activists have been using for a long, long time. You know, this is again a serious threat to the safety and security of the United States of America. Uh, so Donald Trump is seizing this again at this moment, a week before the midterms, to say, I'm going to stop this practice. And um, and again, I don't think he can. He may also, want to. I don't think he cannot unilaterally. I think I'm sure that political c-
5: calculations are, you know, if this group was uh, heavily Republican in terms of these people who are you know, grow up in 18 years, they can vote, uh, then they might have come out to a different policy outcome on this. But- the fact that uh, you know Republicans are worried about uh, tons of Hispanics who are coming onto the uh, voting registry, uh, voter registrations, like that is uh, I'm sure in their back of their mind or at the top of their mind. There's a good question
1: for Mike Pence today. What, you know, what do you think about that? Or is this that's the babies, yeah. yeah, right. I mean, can the president do I this? I will flag it to uh, my do colleagues. Do you think this? I mean, it just just broke, right? So do you think it's, oh, this yeah. is a good policy? And do you think the president can do it? Um, what
5: do you think Ben Pats is going to disagree with uh, Trump
1: oh God never <laughs> that would
5: be that would we would create some news that way
1: <laughs> never. if 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 he ever expressed the slightest disagreement well, di- we'll, we will try we'll try or difference with Donald Trump on any policy whatsoever and the fact that he didn't sue us several didn't do so as several people pointed out after the access Hollywood tape he never will although
5: right? they were you know he was trying to uh, he was unreachable for a while, and it was, you know, seen about maybe that Condoleezza Rice would be his VP, and since uh, McKay Coppins had a big story about uh, Pence yeah. for that.
1: Yeah, there were rumors, but but he he didn't step up to the plate.
5: That's uh, you yeah. know, I'm not an opinion journalist, but that's that's your call.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, you got a busy day ahead of you, my friend. We Thanks do. so much for coming in, starting off with us, and again, uh, twice a day. Uh, check out Playbook at politico.com. You can sign up. It doesn't cost you anything, and you will be much, much better informed almost as much as we are. Thanks, Daniel. Thank Good you, Bill. Good to see you. Good to see you.
3: This
2: is The
1: Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash thebillpressshow. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
3: you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill
1: Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. One week from today, one week from today, we've got to bring America back to its senses, to our senses, and uh, do it as early as you can. Get out and vote. What do you say, everybody? Tuesday, October 30. So good to see you today. Welcome, welcome to the program, The Bill Press Show. Live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, our studio on Capitol Hill, following all the news of the day, Uh, Donald Trump heading his way to Pittsburgh today, uh, even though uh, many leading citizens of Pittsburgh, including the mayor, have said, please don't come, at least don't come now, leave us alone in our grief, but the president is uh, ignoring them and he's going to show up and force them to deal with his presence. Um, which he says he's doing to honor the hero, the victims of that shooting. Uh, I believe he's doing it to exploit them for another political tool, as another political tool before the midterms. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. And uh, speaking of the midterms, our, our good friend Simone Pathé from Roll Call has been out on the road in many of these big states that we've been watching. And she joins us in studio to bring us up to date what she has seen out in the field. Hello, Simon. Nice to see you. good morning. Lots going on, huh? And it's all coming to a head.
4: Uh, Yeah, it's hard to believe. A week out.
1: In some of those big states, uh, Donald Trump stirring it up yesterday by uh, calling Andrew Gillum, the Democratic candidate uh, for governor in Florida, calling him a thief. Again, with zero evidence to back it up. But that is pure Donald Trump style. But of course, now... He doesn't, uh, he doesn't abuse the rhetoric or the position of the presidency for any name-calling at all. No, he'd, he'd never do that. So we've got lots to talk about, and you have lots to comment on. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll run down a lot of the important races coming up a week from today. But first, this is, Peter is the Full Court Press.
2: All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, Bill, we talked about the... Sports Equinox, right, where we had all these major league games going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. On. Well, there was one this past weekend. Again? It's called the Super Sports Equinox. There were five major league games that took place in Los Angeles alone. They were all on home turf in L.A., and one man went to every
1: single game. How could he? Well, here's the deal. He
2: started off at the Staples Center. He went to a Kings game to see the hockey. He left after just one period, and then he went to go watch the Galaxy square off against the Houston Dynamo, which is a Major League Soccer match. Then he went uh, over to see the uh, LA Rams play their NFL game. Then he went to Dodger Stadium for the World Series, but he had to leave during the game so that he could go to yet another uh, professional sports game when he went to go see the L.A. Clippers play their basketball game. So he went to all five games. Again, he didn't stay for every single one of them, but he made it to every
1: single one. He said it cost him a lot of money. I was just going to say, imagine how much he paid for those tickets. I mean, World, World Series, Series tickets, tickets alone. Yeah, World
2: Series tickets alone, he said he paid $700 for his ticket. $700 is what he paid for one ticket. And he, and he only stayed for like three innings because he just wanted to be able to say he got it all done. And he said he utilized Uber, and he also said he stayed very hydrated, I <laughs> which I guess
1: would be a big part of it as By well. By the way, that, that's a lot of money, the $700. That's, you couldn't see Hamilton for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, exactly. By the way, you know, the stock market didn't have a great day yesterday. Oh, you know oh tell it, me about it. You know who it hit particularly hard was Jeff Jeff Bezos. Turns out he lost 19.2 billion dollars over the last two days. He is still the world's richest. Oh my God, that's a day's
1: salary yeah, for him. Yeah, I mean
2: that's nothing for him, right? He's still the richest person in the world. Uh, but Bill Bill Gates got a little bit closer. Bill Gates, of course, is number two. Uh, he got a little bit closer to Jeff Bezos over the last couple of days since Bezos lost again 19.2 billion dollars
1: in one day. Yeah. Mm have to play the lottery. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show.
1: Yeah, get this. They're not only sending 5,200 troops to the border to deal with the caravan, they're actually calling it operation faithful patriot oh god these people have no shame and for secretary of defense james mattis to get anywhere close to that political game is just disgusting hello everybody what do you say it is the bill press show on a tuesday october 30 so good to see you today and we are closing in just one week away from Election Day, midterms, November 2018, uh, and uh, important Senate races, House races, gubernatorial races, state legislative races. It's almost like everything is up. And as everybody from President Obama to Joe Biden to Donald Trump have said, this may be the most important election ever. I know we say that every four years or every two years, but uh, certainly a lot at stake this time. Uh, good to see you as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, looking at you on Free Speech TV and joining you on the Greater Chicago area on WCPT, the Progressive Voice of Chicago, Simon Pathe, covers uh, politics, senior political reporter for Roll Call here uh, in studio with us. So, um Simone, the question I always get is Blue Wave, yes or no? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Last week, the stories were, oh, Republican surge, the Democratic advantage is sort of wa- waiting or waning, rather. I pick up the open this morning, and the, most of the sites are saying, Democrats have rebounded now in the last week. What's going on? What's your sense it, that you get out there? Because you've been out on the road. You've been out.
4: Yeah. I, I think it's fair to say that Republicans are coming home to a certain extent. It's debatable whether there's a real Kavanaugh effect, which I haven't quite seen hardcore uh, data or anecdotal evidence of, or it's just the fact that it's closer to the election and Republicans kind of tune in late and they're doing that in a lot of these districts. I don't think that mitigates some of the Democratic energy that we're seeing. Democrats are probably still going to win the House. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, depends when you say a wave, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> right. um, and I think the, the mistake that some of us fall into is we look at the national numbers when we talk about who's ahead and who's down, we're looking at a generic ballot that's capturing the entire country. And that can only tell you so much. It's much more important to drill down into the specific districts and see who's up and who's down in the places that are the real battlegrounds.
1: Well, if, again, if you listen to all the commentators, read all the sites, uh, the general impression i get from people and they could be dead wrong is that um the movement is definitely on the side of democrats in the house Mm -hmm. but not in the senate
4: yeah that's correct and it's important to remember we're dealing with virtually two different elections two different maps
1: why i I don't because the, the 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 same people voting for Senate and for House, usually, right?
4: Yes, but not in this case because the the races that are competitive for the House have virtually no overlap with the races that are competitive for the Senate this year. You know, take a state like uh, North Dakota has a very competitive Senate race, right? But we're not talking about the House race in North Dakota. We know that's a pretty safe Republican seat. Likewise, in Virginia, we're talking about three districts now, at least in Virginia. The 10th, of course, is the one right here in the D.C. area that Mm -hmm. gets the most attention. We're not talking about the Senate race. No one's expecting Corey Stewart to win. Um, so the, the battlefields oh, That's are... the best news I've
1: heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, right. <laughs> but
4: who knows? Um, the battlefields are just very different because of the way the Senate map is drawn.
1: So uh, you've been uh, uh, down in North Carolina, right? Yes, yeah. So in North Carolina, there's not a Senate race.
4: There's not. Nope, right. there's no statewide race.
1: Important House
4: races? Yeah, there's a few of them. In fact, more than I think a lot of us thought there was going to be coming into this cycle. We've heard about the ninth District. This is the seat uh, where Robert Pitchin- Pittenger lost his primary uh, earlier this year. Mark Harris is an evangelical pastor who's running on the Republican ticket. He's facing a solar energy guy, Dan McCready, who's a pretty strong Democratic recruit, you know, and... Um, Running against Pelosi, sort of a moderate down the middle message. Um, that's a
1: what part of North Carolina?
4: This is the Charlotte area, mm-hmm. um, and it, remember, North Carolina has seen a lot of redistricting. So this is also a district that has changed in the last two years. Um, incorporated some more suburban communities. that makes it perhaps a little bit harder for Republicans to hold. Um, Then you've got the 13th district, which is slightly north of that. This is the district held by Ted Budd. He's a freshman. He's a member of the Freedom Caucus. Um, But there's some concern that he hasn't quite raised the money that he needed to. He hasn't uh, campaigned super aggressively. Um, and on paper, this district is actually the one that voted for Hillary Clinton by the largest margin. She still lost, hmm. of course, but compared to the other margins um, that are in competitive races in North Carolina, he's being challenged by Kathy Manning, a uh, wealthy philanthropist woman in um, the Greensboro area. That also is a competitive race. You saw President Donald Trump in the state on Friday right. rallying for both these Republicans. Interestingly, the Republican that he was not rallying for was George Holding. Um, He is also an incumbent Republican, uh, but he represents the sort of suburban and ex-urban with a little bit of agrarian uh, pocket added into it in the Raleigh area. Um, And this is the race that I think a lot of folks were not expecting to be competitive. Um, And it's one of the reasons I went down there was actually to check out a district, you know, that could be a sleeper race that a lot of us haven't been paying attention to. But um, he was actually trailing in his own polling of the district earlier this year during the summer. That caused a lot of the outside groups from both parties to invest in this race. So now you've got a what was a safer cup, Republican seat attracting millions of dollars from both parties here in Washington? Well, I think
1: um, um, that the Republicans have been surprised, and maybe Democrats surprised too, by the amount of money that's flowing into these mm-hmm. house races on the Democratic side of most of it small donors from all across the country through uh, sites like ActBlue and others, right? I mean, Democrats actually, first time I can remember, I believe, have a fundraising advantage Again, we're talking House now.
4: Yes, yes. The candidates themselves are raising just astronomical amounts of money. In fact, more than many Senate candidates (laughs) are raising, which is kind of hard to believe. And it hasn't stopped. I mean, the the third quarter fundraising numbers are the largest big numbers that we got most recently. But even um, since those were filed, you know, at the end of September, we've heard that candidates are raising close to a million dollars just in October alone.
1: Mm. Um. Uh, and uh, in, you are also up in New Jersey. I yes. Huh? Yeah, right? there's
4: also a lot of competitive races in New Jersey. House races. Cycle. House races and potentially Senate.
1: I was just going to say, <laughs> that suddenly, uh, there is uh, maybe what well, we didn't think. Well, uh, people originally thought that Bob Menendez would be in trouble, right? right. And then it looked like, oh no, you know, right. he escaped any legal um, charges. And so. He's going to be fine and look like that way for a while. Is it tightening up on the Senate side? So, Uh, in fact, uh, Peter, you told me Charlie Cook this morning moved it from solid Democrat to toss up.
2: Yes, now it's a toss up. Now it's a toss up.
4: Yeah, so I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think it's still you know a Democratic state with a lot more registered Democrats that obviously went for Hillary Clinton. The sentiment I have heard on the trail is people don't like Menendez, that's for sure. I've had people tell me verbatim, he should be in jail, but
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: he's voted the right way on the environment, on things for working people. Um, that's the sentiment that I've heard most often. But it's important to know the national Democrats here in Washington who run these committees are investing millions of dollars in the state, something they wouldn't do if they weren't at least a little bit worried about him surviving.
1: Right. And what are some of the, so Menendez, what are some of the important um, house prices in New Jersey?
4: Yeah. So there's um, three districts that are super competitive and interesting. The first I would point you to is the 11th district. This is the district that Rodney Frelinghuysen has held for right. a long, long time. Um, and his family goes back generations in this district. His family,
1: a member of his family has held that seat since the revolution. Yes, the 1700s. I mean, literally. Yes, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, And if I'm, that's actually my home district. And if you drive around the area, you'll see Freeling Heisen Arboretum, Freeling Heisen Middle School. You know, his name is kind of a campaign slogan without it having to be just because it's very familiar to people. Um, So he's also the chairman of the Appropriations Committee, notably, but he decided, "Eh, I'm done. I'm not going to run for reelection. Perhaps he saw the writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, But uh, the Democrat who is running to succeed him, Mikey Sherrill, is a former Navy pilot, federal prosecutor, really strong candidate, has raised just boatloads of money. um, And she's being challenged by a Republican state assemblyman, Jay Weber, who is raised significantly less money, um, It has gained a lot less national attention on the trail. Um, he's been fundraising lately with some Trump administration people, which is sort of an odd move given the district did, did go narrowly for Trump. But this is really your prototypical affluent, well-educated suburban community that does not like Trump. Um, so Mikey Sherrill, I think, is doing a pretty good job of trying to reach out to a lot of those suburban women voters, especially some of them Republican, some of them independent. Does have
1: a Democratic voter registration edge or Republican? Republican. Republican. Yes.
4: Yeah. yeah. Um, similar dynamics, I'd say, in the 7th district. This is the district held by Leonard Lance. Um, Lance. Is not super well known uh, in Congress. You know, he's a fairly mild-mannered, laid-back, calm congressman. You're not going to see him screaming at cable news the way you would a lot of his Republican peers. Interestingly, he voted against leadership on I would say what were their two biggest legislative achievements this cycle, or at least what they're touting as their achievements. Right, the tax cuts and the health care plan, which of course passed the Mm -hmm. House but did not pass the Senate. But Democrats are still attacking him on both of those things. So this will be an interesting test case, I think, whether a Republican incumbent is able to run on his record or whether, as we saw in 2010, when a lot of Democrats who voted against the Affordable Care Act didn't matter. They still lost anyway. Mm Yeah. Um, and then the third district, sort of a the opposite scenario, is Tom MacArthur, who not only voted for the health care plan, was only two of New Jersey Republicans to do so, but he was one of its authors. Oh, um, so yeah. that, that has a completely different dynamic. Obviously, Democrats are going after him just as hard, if not harder, on health care and on taxes. He was the only member of the New Jersey delegation to vote for the Republican tax plan. He claims that the doubling of the standard deduction helps his constituents, but of course, New Jersey constituents and voters are some of the top beneficiaries of the SALT deduction. Well, it's
1: interesting to me that health care has emerged as maybe the key determining issue Mm -hmm. in so many House races Mm -hmm. um, at a time when Republicans are caught with their hands in the cookie jar when it comes to preexisting conditions. I Mm -hmm. mean, um, and they seem to know it's a problem because Donald Trump keeps (laughs) uh, insisting that we're... The party that's going to protect pre-existing conditions or people with, and Democrats want to take those protections away, when in fact, the Trump administration is in court, along with several state attorneys general, trying to do away with the requirement that people with pre-existing conditions be out. Um, not be discriminated against when it comes to buying health insurance.
4: Yes, and you've seen it from these Republican candidates, too. Over the last month or two, I'd say there's been a steady increase in ads, almost mimicking the ads from the Democratic side, where you put either yourself, the candidate, or a close family member on camera, and you mm-hmm. tell your personal story about health care, yeah. whether that's a, a scary diagnosis you received or a struggle paying medical bills to try to humanize this issue. They know they're on defense. They're trying to reclaim a little, bit, a little bit of that from the Democrats.
1: Right. I mean, in a sense, Donald Trump has succeeded where Barack Obama did not in making he, in, in terms of making Obamacare popular.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, it's more popular now that it has millions been. Millions and
1: millions of Americans are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a health insurance for the first time ever mm-hmm. for themselves and their family, many of them, uh, and uh, they've been able to do so in many cases because of a subsidy from the federal government, again, pre existing conditions, uh, and they don't want to see that taken away. Then you've got mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell who says last week, Keep us in charge, and you can count on it. We will try to repeal Obamacare all over again, right? <laughs> yeah. Plus that, plus, again, as I say, the Republic, the Trump administration, in court, trying to do away with protection for preexisting conditions. They can't deny either one of those.
4: Yeah, and Democrats were oh so happy to hear McConnell say that. That worked very well for them, they think, on the campaign trail.
1: Right. Right. Uh, so the numbers, the math is 23 de- Democrats need 23 mm-hmm. uh, out of how many districts in play? So out of 23, they've got how many districts in play, roughly? Do, do you see it?
4: Oh, a bunch. Um, they've got, I don't even know what the number is right now, and it depends sort of what you consider <laughs> in play. I think there's 100, at least, Democratic target districts, according to the C. probably somewhere between 60 and 80 of those are actually competitive in the least yeah, little the bit. Yeah, the
1: range that I've heard, right? Yeah, yeah, 69, but 70 or so. Some of those are, are just on involved. the
4: margin. Some are more what we would call toss-up mm-hmm. races. So it depends how you're counting it, but certainly more than 23 districts are in play.
1: Right, um, and Democrats have decided that they're going to wait until uh, we see the results of t- of uh, November 6th and. Which party controls the house before the Democrats uh, hold a vote on the new leadership?
4: Mm, yes, this will. Do you be find
1: a- many candidates saying that they will, at least, declining right now? Either saying they'll vote against Nancy Pelosi, or just not not taking a stand.
4: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, just because it's been such a Republican attack, and even those Democrats who say that are still being attacked on the Pelosi question. So I don't know to what extent that really helps <laughs> mitigate the issue. But yes, um, many, many candidates are either refusing to answer the question or just generically saying it's time for new leadership in both parties.
1: Right. Um, uh, I, I I hear that. I see that. Having said that, I still believe Nancy Pelosi will be. You do. Back yeah. as the next speaker of the uh, of the House of Representatives. Um, on the governor's race, it's interesting Um there's several that are really interesting. But yesterday, um, the president stirred things up, not only tweeting again his support for his candidate, um, Ron DeSantis, in Florida, but calling Andrew Gillum a thief, the Democratic nominee. Uh, that takes things to a new level, a new low. which is It
4: does. Not unusual from what we've heard, unfortunately, from him on the trail in terms of combining insults with, sort of racial undertones, especially the closer we get to the election, um, I would say clearly designed here to, to motivate a certain base to turn out. Um, and this is a, a, a gubernatorial race where there's not only implications for that race, but also it's closely tied to the Senate race where turnout here, there's a high African-American turnout for Andrew Gillum. That could save Bill Nelson in the Senate. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of a two for one here.
1: Uh, is, is there any evidence or at least any? fear on some part of some Republicans that that kind of personal insult could backfire? Oh,
4: absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends who you talk to, whether they're willing to voice that <laughs> on the record or not. But yeah, I think there's a definite concern that even someone like Ron DeSantis uh, has tethered himself way too closely to the president. I remember this was a candidate during the primary who ran ads with his children uh, with Legos built, building yeah. the wall, <laughs> build literally. wall. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, he
1: is a total, total drumper, no doubt about it.
4: Right. And that may have worked well in the primary, but it, it could be a lot more problematic for him in a general election.
1: Uh, it's, I find it hard to believe that yet, even in this country, uh, 2018, we have not elected one African-American woman as governor of any state. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams would be the first. Mm-hmm. Does she have a shot?
4: Um, I think she does. I haven't seen polling there lately that that's not a race I've been following, but she certainly garnered a lot of national attention. She's attracting a lot of surrogates in the last couple days. Um, every time I see someone announcing where they're going to campaign, it seems like it's they're going to Georgia. Um, and there again, you've got a Republican nominee who um, has certainly, you know, veered more into the Trump lane, is facing a lot of backlash now for allegedly trying to suppress the vote. Um, as the secretary of state, he's in, in charge of the voter rolls, which someone would contest is as a bit of a conflict of interest when you're running for office.
1: Uh, I, I think it's a blatant <laughs> conflict of interest. And by the way, so does former President Jimmy Carter, mm-hmm. who yesterday said that he thought Brian Kemp should resign as secretary of state mm-hmm. uh, just to show, to take himself away from that conflict, particularly were there a recount, for example. And he has said he would not recuse himself if right. there were a recount. Uh, and there are many, many cases where, in terms of voter suppression, there have been evidence that he's done everything he can to suppress vote in certain communities mm-hmm. um, by reducing the number of polling places, reducing early vote time, refusing to certify some people who had registered, saying you know their forms were not perfect.
4: Right, the match. Yeah. Right.
1: right. So, um, what are the other races did you think are um, that you've particularly paid attention to, either Senate or Oh my goodness! Senate races, yeah. There's so oh, this, many. <laughs> way, in fact, we haven't talked about any of the Senate races. You know, we always talk about the big five, if you will, the five red states that Donald yeah. Trump carried by double digits, uh, with John Tester and Claire McCaskill and others. Uh, interesting profile in the in the uh, um, uh, of Claire McCaskill in this week's New Yorker, which mm-hmm. I, I read yesterday, and also noticed this morning. She's now running an ad saying, basically, I'm not one of those crazy Democrats.
4: Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean that's certainly along with the Pelosi on the, the Senate side the attack has been that well especially in the last few weeks that they're all part of the liberal mob um, and so it, it's probably smart for the red state Democrats to say I'm not part of that especially mm-hmm. those who voted against uh, Trump's judicial nominees.
1: So we talked about um, you, you did you did mention uh, we talked about New Jersey but in, on, in terms of uh, looking like at Senate races mm-hmm. Florida is one that certainly uh, is not a locked Locked in for Democrats, right?
4: Nope, definitely not. Um, The governor is spending an enormous amount of his own money on this race and raising a lot of money, too. Um, And it's an expensive media market. uh, (laughs) You know, you've got a lot of a lot of things going on here. You've got the fact. The governor gets a lot of earned media attention, right? Yeah, the hurricanes. Right. On top of that, he seems to be releasing a new ad probably every day. I check my inbox and there's not one but maybe two ads (laughs) from Rick Scott. Uh, Nelson has been a little bit slower to get on the airwaves. I don't think he was up until this summer, so he was relying on air cover from some of the outside groups, which concerns some Democrats here. Uh, I think that they feel a little bit more comfortable at Nelson right now than perhaps Mm -hmm. they did two months ago. Right. Right. yeah. You know
1: you also have been taking a look at, at campaign ads and some hmm. of the people who appear in them. And I always <laughs> wonder I always wonder about that by the way, ads in general, the people who appear in them.
4: Yes, yes. Uh,
1: but what did you find out about <laughs> those who appear in campaign ads? Are they for real or are they actors?
4: So it, it depends. For the most part, they're for <laughs> real. Um, but what's so interesting is that there's no way for us to know. Um, There are no rules. Don't they have to
1: identify them?
4: No, there are no rules about identifying these people. Um, And what I find so interesting is that a lot of them are real people in the sense that they're not paid actors. But they're not necessarily always the average voter that they're made out to be. A lot of times... They are party officials in the local party, and the county party. They might be state legislators. That was the case for an ad from um, Kevin Kramer, when it features a veteran talking about how wonderful he is. Turns out the guy is a Republican state legislature. Both sides do this. Heidi Heitkamp ran an ad that featured a former Democratic state legislator. Um, the ad that first brought this to my attention was one from Bruce Poliquin up in Maine, where you've got the very ubiquitous image of a woman sitting at a kitchen table with her hands wrapped around a coffee mug, talking to camera about how wonderful Bruce Poliquin is. Um, and it identifies her just by name and where she's from, which is Lewiston, Maine. Turns out she's not just a regular voter. She's the chairman of the county Republican Party. Huh. Um, well,
1: wouldn't people know that?
4: Not necessarily, no. Yeah, I
2: I, I, I wouldn't necessarily know my local uh, chair of the political party. Yeah,
4: unless you live in a really small town and you're very politically connected, probably not. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would just think that some... Political reporter would certainly know, right? <laughs> sure. And write a story saying, "Oh, yeah. busted," right?
4: Right, but I mean, how many people read the local newspapers anymore? And and there's a debate: <laughs> Does that Good point. Does that delegitimize the person's testimonial about how great the candidate is? Maybe you know, some of us would say yes, but to a voter, no, but maybe they get, don't care.
1: You're giving the impression that this is, as you say, just right. your average right, uh, yes, right, housewife or. Exactly. Whatever, citizen, resident, right, of the community.
4: And in many times they're not at all. Yeah.
1: Uh, Do they still use paid actors?
4: Some of them do. Um, Most of the ad consultants on both sides of the aisle that I spoke to said they try not to do that unless they're dramatizing something. Um, You know, we've all seen... Instances where someone gets dressed up trying to be the candidate that they're um, parroting that they're, they're, they're attacking, or if they're trying to portray a candidate as a little kid, you know, deliver newspapers as a child, like, then they'll use an actor. Um, but it can get you into a lot of trouble, <laughs> honestly, and it's expensive. So good campaigns, um, campaigns that have a strong grassroots network, are always trying to identify supporters, people that they could use for things like this. From um, different, different constituency groups, whether it's a doctor or a single mom or a veteran.
1: My my rule is: every time I see anybody in an ad, I I assume that they're phony. I think that's yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good rule. Yeah, I mean, these rule. people you see talking about what a what a great you know I don't know insurance plan <laughs> it is right or medical plan or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I just assume they're all paid to say that. Yeah. you know, no matter you know. No matter what, what they claim to be or no matter how they're <laughs> dressed or whatever. Right. Uh, and I think that's, um, that's a pretty good rule to live by mm-hmm. at any rate. Mm-hmm. right? All right. So when the dust settles a week from today, mm-hmm. where are we going to be?
4: Oh, man. I think that Democrats <laughs> sure. will probably have control of the House. But remember, there's going to be a lot of. Races on the West Coast that we're not necessarily going to know the outcome of by the close of business uh, And we didn't Tuesday. talk about that,
1: but there are five or seven seats in California. There's a
4: lot right there in California. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that could um, so that could keep us waiting for a while. Um, and I saw I,
1: that uh, Senator Kamala Harris and uh, gubernatorial candidate um, Gavin Newsom are mm-hmm. going to be doing a, a swing through. Mm. Orange mm-hmm. County, Southern California, where there are five seats in Orange County, North San Diego alone. Yeah. And a couple in the Valley and in Northern California, too, mm-hmm. that could determine the outcome of the House.
4: Absolutely. In California. Yeah, which means it could be a late night or a late couple of days <laughs> for all of us.
1: Dana Rohrbacher, bye. <laughs> bye. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Uh, so uh, you say uh, when the Dust Little Democrats will have control of the House, Senate?
4: Senate, I think Republicans probably stay in power. Hold Um, on. The the math is just really hard. I mean, Democrats would have to hold all of these states where where Democrats are running for re-election in red states. That means Heidi Heitkamp would have to win, Joe Donnelly, Joe Manchin. Um, Plus, they would have to pick up two seats. Um, That's just a hard gamble. Two (laughs) seats
1: uh, in either Nevada, Arizona, Texas, or uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. I still think the polls are wrong in Texas, but uh, we'll find out. And governorships, definitely some pickup among gov- yeah, for, governors.
4: Yeah, governors I honestly know less about because I don't cover those. But I think it's fair to say Democrats could make a few gains there.
1: They, they're better. They only have 15 states now. Uh, all right. You better get back to work. you got other states <laughs> to visit here and one week to go. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Simon, for coming Thank in. Thank you. Uh, you can follow Simone at RollCall, RollCall.com. Uh, the media, Donald Trump says, still the Enemy of the American people, Matt Gertz from Media Matters, takes that on next for us right here in studio on the Bill Press Show. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is the Bill Press Show. You bet it is, the Bill Press Show. Tuesday, October 30. Hello, hello, hello. So good to see you. As we come to you live from our studio right here on Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., with the news of the day, and uh, we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers. Great men and women, teachers of America, during the Lord's work every day, making a big difference in the classroom. We salute them and thank them for the support of the program under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. Check out their website at aft.org. A-F-T I didn't do it. I didn't do anything wrong. It's the media's fault, says Donald Trump, in response to the serial bomber, in response to the shooting of two African-Americans down at a Kroger's in Kentucky, and in response to the slaughter of 11 people at a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's all the media's fault. They're the ones who are fanning the flames of hatred. Matt Gertz from Media Matters, why are you doing this?
0: Uh, uh, I, I think it's you, Bill, not me.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we're all part of it. You know, I've really had it with these attacks on the media, and I think it's people have
0: got to just stand up. This is having an impact, right? I think it is. I mean, we're seeing these bombs getting sent to CNN. I think we're at three at this point in the in the last week or to so. CNN. Yeah, yeah, to CNN specifically. CNN, which the president has called has said is the fake news media, which he has said is the enemy of the people. Um, which has, uh, you know, earlier this year, uh, the uh, FBI arrested someone who was calling up CNN and saying, you're the enemy of the people, and I'm going to, like, bring a gun and kill you all. Um, and he, he doesn't stop. He's never going to stop. He didn't stop uh, when there was a mass shooting at a newsroom. He didn't stop uh, when uh, a couple of his fans was, was, were threatening different outlets. He didn't stop. Uh, You know, when a U.S. resident journalist uh, was uh, apparently murdered uh, in a Saudi uh, consulate, uh, it's not going to end. It never is. This is who he is. This is what he's going to do. He's going to attack the media no matter what.
1: By the way, I'm glad you mentioned Jamal Khashoggi because talk about a forgotten person in all of this, right? That was only last week. Yeah. Uh, That we learned... And the Saudis even admitted it was premeditated murder of a journalist Mm -hmm. and a resident of the United States. And what has Donald Trump done about it?
0: I mean, he's helped uh, the Saudis cover it up, more or less. Uh, So Khashoggi uh, had for the last year been writing uh, at the Washington Post, uh, where my uh, wife also works. Um, He had been, uh, you know, sort of a, a dissident, someone who was critical of the Saudi government, Uh, And for that appears to have been, you know, walked into the Saudi consulate uh, in Turkey, uh, where he was living more or less. uh, He'd he'd been splitting his time between uh, Turkey and London and uh, Virginia, living more or less in in self-imposed exile. Um, Walked into the consulate trying to get a document uh, for his uh, upcoming wedding uh, and disappeared, uh, did not. You know never emerged the Saudis claimed that he had left at first uh, though they were unable to produce any video of this Uh, they claimed that they did not that their closed circuit television security cameras did not record which is like obviously uh, nonsense Um, and just an indication of uh, how they did not think that anyone would take this seriously or care Um, and it you know and they have now admitted yes he uh, they murdered him basically. Um, and, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, limit the sort of uh, connection between what happened and, uh, you know, the uh, head of the Saudi government and then the, the top levels of the regime. I think that's probably nonsense. But, you know, the president doesn't actually want to do anything about this. Right.
1: So but so back to the, the three instances, hate crimes. Uh, in the last 72 hours, right, that we saw in 72 mm-hmm. hours between Kentucky, the, 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 the Syria bombs, and the MAGA bomber, as they called him, uh, the Kentucky shootings, and the synagogue, mass murder at the synagogue. Donald Trump actually said the, pers- the, the outfit or the people that stirred up all this hatred and all this rage, set the tone, were the members of the media.
0: Yeah. I mean, based on what? I mean, I think based on this, this is the the world he would like to live in, right? I mean, the president doesn't really... Uh, respond to reality as we know it. He sort of responds to the way things would he would like to have them, and so he's moving all responsibility from uh, himself uh, and the tone that he sets. Well, he says it's and, the negativity, all the negative reporting just just
1: divides America. Divides. Yeah.
0: So what he means when he says that is basically that any reporting that is critical of him uh, is bad, and journalists shouldn't do it. And if they do, then you know someone might send them a bomb.
1: Right. Uh, Sarah, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who maybe this year she'll give twelve press briefings. I mean, maybe one a month. That's kind of the the, 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 the pattern that they've set. But so yesterday she says uh, that that you know again she's echoing what Donald Trump is saying, blaming it on the media, and she makes the charge, Peter, that um, that Donald Trump starts out. Expressing sympathy, and the media starts out, the blaming Donald Trump.
4: The very first thing that the president did was condemn the attacks, both in Pittsburgh and in the pipe bombs. The very first thing the media did was blame the president and make him responsible for these ridiculous acts. That is outrageous. That that would be the very first reaction.
1: Well, first of all, she's wrong. I mean, the first thing the media did was report the news. Right. Report. What was going on? Report the fact that suddenly there are bombs that are showing up. And then the media reported that it just so happens that the people who are getting these bombs are people that Donald Trump has every single one of them targeted by name and called them names. From Maxine Waters to Hillary Clinton to George Soros, go down the list, right? What's wrong with that? I mean, that's the
0: media's job. I mean, it's sort of a greatest hits list of people that the president has vilified right. uh, over the course of his administration.
1: Yeah, right. And and so that means the media is responsible for the bombs and Donald Trump has no connection
0: at all? Apparently. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. He's sort of uh, – it's – you know – He's now claiming on Twitter that he that the media is also at fault for claiming that he meant that the entire media is the enemy of the people well, that was the latest thing and last
1: uh, night I saw that yeah, yeah which made, made yeah. me just say come on
0: and and so he's claiming that it actually he meant the fake news media are the one that the, the ones who were actually the enemy right of so people.
1: back up he has said over and over and over and over again that the media is the enemy of the American people. Yes. And a recent tweet said the true enemy, I think, of the American people. Uh, I guess he was, pardon me, getting some blowback on that. So last night he comes out with this tweet that says, "I never said the media is all the media. I just said only the members of the fake news are the enemy of the American people. Only the fake news outlets. What are the fake news outlets? Well." You know, he's also named them.
0: Right. Go to the videotape, more or less. Uh, You know, he has very specifically said that basically all of the television networks, except for Fox News and Sinclair, uh, are the fake news media and the enemy of the people. I mean, just to be clear, he has named, of course, CNN over and over and over. CNN, most of all. Also, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, uh, ABC, the Washington Post, the New York Times, uh basically any outlet that produces critical reporting that is uh damaging enough that he needs to push back on, he will just dis- declare to be the fake news.
1: So so far as we know, um if you even even if you believe that tweet, right? Uh I guess it would be Fox News, Sinclair, Breitbart and Drudge. Yeah,
0: more or less. Daily Caller maybe. Couple yeah, probably more be
1: the Daily Caller. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everybody else is fake
0: news and the, the enemy of the people. Right. Enemy right. of the American people is the term right. that Stalin used for his enemies. So,
1: uh, and I I keep coming back to um, over and over again. Words have consequences. When you when you tell people use that word enemy, I mean that's a loaded word, particularly for
0: a nutcase like this bomber in Florida. Right. I think that's, that's right. That's a trigger. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to draw you know causal lines on this stuff, but obviously he was a uh, a basically a Donald Trump superfan, someone who had plastered his van with stickers uh, you know praising the president and his administration, uh, someone who was constantly on social media talking about how great the president was and going after the very set of enemies that the president had identified. CNN sucks is sure. one of the
1: things that he had on uh, his van.
0: And then sent a series of bombs to those same people.
1: Right. Uh, and so you see that connection, and also the connection in Pittsburgh, which um, not, maybe is not as much attention has been paid to, but clearly this uh, individual there uh, felt threatened by the caravan. Yes. He talked about that he felt he had to act because these Jews or people who rec- rec- welcome refugees and help them out. And here's this caravan coming caravan of invaders. Who called them invaders? who who said there's an invasion coming right of this country
0: donald trump uh, Donald Trump and Fox News. And, um, you know, and, this,
1: but yeah. Thank you. Right.
0: right. I mean, so I, I think that story kind of begins <laughs> with the fact that the president and his policies are deeply unpopular. Uh, you know, he, the Republicans can't really run on a positive agenda during this midterm period. They originally were planning to do so on the tax cuts, but everyone basically admits that those were, you know, a giveaway to uh, the wealthy and to corporations. Uh, their he- health care policy is so incredibly unpopular that they just need to lie about what they've done and want do uh, and so the plan to get voters to the polls has been fear uh, for the first half of the month that was uh, basically telling uh the public uh, that uh, the Democrats were mobs uh, and that Republican voters were in physical danger to their to their personal security um you know if Democrats were elected uh, and then halfway through the month uh, this caravan uh started forming in Honduras uh, Fox News started talking about it within a couple of days while it was still you know more than well over a thousand miles away uh, from the U.S., saying it was, you know, it was coming here. It was a crisis. Uh, it was an invasion, um, you know. Uh, and we saw, you know, I've I've been studying this uh, Fox Trump feedback loop for yeah, about the last year, yeah. and this was a very clear example <laughs> of that happening. You had Fox and Friends talking about the caravan, and then mm-hmm. later the same morning, I, I think this was uh, two weeks ago today, uh, the president uh, tweeting about it for the first time. Uh, That created a sort of flurry of Fox coverage around the caravan, including Newt Gingrich specifically saying, Republicans should make this election about the caravan. We can blame the Democrats for it. It's a good issue for us. The next morning, uh, this was uh, Thursday, Thursday before last. uh, Fox and Friends was playing that clip over and over again, talking about how it was a great idea. Republicans should run on it. And that's when the president issued his first uh, sort of series of tweets, specifically blaming Democrats uh, for the caravan. Since then, the rhetoric has escalated uh, on Fox with Trump. Uh, you know, They're now claiming on Fox that uh, the migrants are bringing all sorts of diseases from oh, yeah. leprosy to smallpox, which has been eliminated uh you know 40 years ago yeah we, uh we hiv let
1: me just interrupt you we heard that yesterday on charles Payne's show uh his guest uh, david ward mm-hmm. again as we pointed out this is something racist always go to this point right is oh my god do you realize what diseases these people are bringing into the country they said it about the irish the italians the polish you name it before are saying it about latinos today
2: and they're coming in with diseases such as smallpox and leprosy and tb that are going to infect our
0: people in the united states mhm i mean I, leprosy where's father smallpox, when we need him smallpox like smallpox right. does not exist it's, it's naturally anymore yeah i mean there's like a sample in a us lab and a sample in a russian lab and that's basically it um, but no, that they're bringing smallpox and we're all going to die, right? This is the sort of messaging that people are getting on Fox—that it's an invasion, that it's dangerous, it's a crisis, well, and
1: they're a thousand miles away. The other message that we got on Fox yesterday—I th- I think this was Fox and Friends, wasn't it? Peter, whatever show it was, but it was on outnumbered. No, on outnumbered, where they're, they're saying they're—they're they're making light of. Jews who have been under attack, African Americans under attack, the LGBTQ Americans under attack or whatever. Uh oh God, you think you've got a bad gee. Here's Kennedy, right? So she says, I'm a political independent. I mean, you know, you think you've got a bad think about me.
4: What I will say is, uh, try becoming a member of a third party for a little while. <laughs> and then- You'll, you'll see what it feels like to lose every single election Aww. and to still
0: walk around with a smile on your face. I'm libertarian friend.
1: Oh, yeah, getting shot in the synagogue is nothing compared to what I've had to endure.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just disgusting. God. You know, how low can you go? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that this, this sort of rhetoric is just not going to stop. I mean, if the the fact that the shooter, you know, specifically citing... Uh, refugee issues and this caravan went on a massacre, and that doesn't give uh, you know people on Fox a little bit of pause about the type of rhetoric that they're spewing out. I mean, I, I think there's basically no limit to it. There's no bottom here. Right. Uh, now,
1: meantime, um, what do we do when there are um, uh, violent in- incidents of violent hate crime? Americans murdered, uh, even at a place of worship. Uh, what do you do? You. What will we all do? You hold a political rally, uh, and Donald Trump sees nothing wrong with this. In fact, he he indicated, well, there might have been. He makes a joke of this. Um, what was it yesterday, Peter? He made a joke of, um, oh, I'm gonna tone it down, maybe. Oh, hate to say this. I'm, so you don't? Do you want me to tone it down tonight? Remember, and everybody said, no, don't tone it down. He's making a mockery of it. He also made a mockery of so. was there would be some good reason maybe for not holding a rally he suggests yeah maybe this reason
3: somebody just said your hair looks different today i said well i was standing under the wing of air force one doing a news conference early this morning a very unfortunate news conference and the wind was blowing and the rain and i was soaking wet and that's what i ended up with today
1: Crowd loves and
3: and I, I said, well, at least you know it's mine. And I said, maybe I should cancel this arrangement because I have a bad hair day.
1: Yeah. No, nothing to do with the synagogue. This is, this is Saturday. I, was I mean, going to Illinois. Same day. Maybe I should have canceled tonight. Why? Not because 11 people were murdered in their face, face, place of worship,
0: but because I have a bad hair day. I mean this is who he is. He's he's just doing it for his fans, right? You you can't you can't let the fans down, I guess.
2: It, it is there is a weird sort of uh pattern to the way that he talks about this. This happened a couple of weeks ago when the hurricane mm-hmm. was coming yes, and he our, had to yeah. speak and he's like, "I can't let these people down."
1: Right. My fans, they come in. Don't
2: right. think about the rest of the country that needs some leadership or the are the fa- hundreds of thousands of people that are in the uh path of a deadly hurricane think about the you know couple thousand people that are there to see you use your tired old jokes and uh and and throw away lines on them that's what really matters to him
0: yeah i realize that this is kind of a trite construction but obviously if president obama had immediately after a domestic terrorism incident uh done a rally speech in which he just attacked all of his political enemies can you imagine yeah i mean it would it would have been it would have been a you know I I, th- I think Republicans might have been a little mad about that. <laughs> if, you think? <laughs> uh, if
1: Barack Obama had called a Republic, another Republican uh, candidate a thief, yeah, right, would have been. I mean, or anybody else in the political scene, right? Kind of be all over. Um, but back to, I mean, if you look at, I'm really getting concerned because so uh, you look at Donald Trump's constant attacks on the media, and what do we see today? Jamal Khashoggi shot, murdered, not shot, but murdered, dismembered. Donald Trump doesn't do anything. You look at a serial bomber targeting CNN that Donald Trump has targeted. Donald Trump doesn't call the head of CNN and say, God, I'm sorry about this, or but we better back off or anything. No, no, no. You know He continues to attack CNN. Sarah Huckabee Sanders did. Uh, yesterday,
0: Let's not forget uh, specifically praising a Republican congressman for, for body, body slamming a reporter a, a who had reporter. been asking him a question about health care policy. Right. So you're going on and now
1: you've got at Trump rallies, um, CNN and other media outlets who actually have paid guards to protect them from the mob, <laughs> from Donald Trump supporters whom he is egging on calling out people by name and by outlets and pointing to them and basically turning the crowd against them. Yeah. I mean, where does this lead? Where? Uh, I mean, it's already led to violence and to bloodshed, you know, and he doesn't seem to be backing off at
0: all. I mean, at best, he does not care about the danger that he is putting reporters in. Uh, at worst, he actively wants them to be hurt. I think that's the takeaway from praising a Republican for Uh, physically harming a reporter. Like, this is what he wants to see happen. He is perfectly comfortable uh, with, uh, you know, that sort of behavior.
1: I forget who the reporter reporter was. Do you remember? Uh,
0: It was Ben Jacobs uh, from The Guardian. The Guardian. yeah. Who who I believe... uh, I
1: guess would also be classified as fake news, obviously, because... Well,
2: by the way, there's a whole thing going on now, because Gianforte, there was sort of an agreement that they had that uh, uh, Ben Jacobs said... Fine, you pay, I think it was $10,000 to uh, uh, a committee to help protect journalists, Mm -hmm. and I won't sue your ass off, right? Mm -hmm. And so now Gianforte is sort of rewriting these, like, yeah, I never did that, I never did that, or this guy came at me first, and is rewriting it, Ben Jacobs actually had his lawyer send a letter to Gianforte and say, hey, we agreed, you were going to admit that you did this. And you give us money, and if you don't knock it off, we're coming after you.
0: Yeah, I think the specifics on this one were that he, uh, the rep- the congressman, was claiming uh, was being asked about this yeah. uh, by an editorial board, uh, and he basically said that he had a non disclosure agreement that prevented him from talking about that. And Jacobs's lawyer sent a letter basically saying, uh, "This is not true. Uh, you need to stop lying about uh, the, the condition the, about what you did and like what the outcome was."
1: Right. And there's no doubt also, as we've seen with Khashoggi, um, that Trump's rhetoric and his uh, attitude and treatment of the media in this country has given the green light to a lot of thugs, dangerous people, despots, dictators around the world to say, hey, if Trump can treat the media that way and get away with it in the United States of America,
0: so can we. And the president cannot plead ignorance on that. He cannot claim that he did not know that was a possibility. Uh, the publisher of the New York Times met with him in the White House in July and specifically told him, your rhetoric is going to have deadly consequences, particularly overseas, uh, where uh, you know these dictators are going to get the impression that they can do away with journalists uh, and there will be no repercussions. Uh, And that is, uh, you know, apparently what is happening uh, in Saudi Arabia, where, uh, you know, uh, the uh, effective leader, uh, MBS, uh, was uh, basically uh, under the impression that he could do this. And and it would be fine that uh, the president uh, of the United States would not care if a U.S. resident journalist was brutally murdered.
1: And ironically, in this case, um, the other player is Turkey. Who is almost as bad? Probably has more journalists in jail than even Saudi Arabia does.
0: Yeah, we should we should not. Uh, Don't praise Erdogan as a champion of free speech. Certainly not. Uh, he is also, uh, you know, an authoritarian who is imprisoning journalists who uh, do critical reporting. Certainly, he has his own uh, political reasons for wanting to push this. Uh, Which does not, you know, get away from the fact that the Saudi government appears to have murdered a U.S. journalist. Well, you
1: know, Matt, I remember the days when uh, Media Matters had nothing more to do than keep up with Rush Limbaugh and the lies that he was telling every day. But, um In a sense, looking back, those were the good old days. Things have gotten a lot, lot more grim and serious than right now. And thank God you're still there on the job every day at Media Matters, Matters MediaMatters.org. Senior fellow Matt Gertz with us. Thanks so much, Matt. Always good to be here. All right. And that is your Tuesday now, folks. Make the most of it. Come back and see us again tomorrow. We'll be looking for you. This is The Bill Press Show.